0: So let me uh, invite you to bow your heads and let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for just the confirmation of so many things. But first and foremost, thank you for the confirmation of your love for us. And so we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would lead us in this time as we look into your word. I pray, God, that I will teach a full counsel of the word of God. I pray, Lord God, that our hearts will be open to receive all that you have. We come against distractions from the enemy. And we just pray, Lord, that we will be fruitful people who are who are committed uh, to not just reading your word, but be a doer of your word. And so, Lord, we thank you that you're speaking to us. Thank you that we live in a nation where we can actually do this, Lord God. And so we pray that we will grow stronger in you and our faith will be expanded. And so we honor and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. What I would like to do is is first share with you that um, I want to give an update of what I shared at the Vision Cast, our annual church business meeting. And uh, I want to let you know that there are four phases to how I believe God has given us uh, direction for our our next assignment. And we are putting together something that you can have visual, that you can uh, partner with us in, in what we're doing. And so more information is going to come. But I'm here to encourage you and let you know that God has already went through all four phases. Amen. That is so good. And as your pastor, I've never been more excited than where God is taking us right now. And because of that, that's why we got to look at this text this morning, because the enemy is absolutely terrified. Don't count it strange when stuff starts happening to you. Amen. Somebody. Don't get nervous. Don't get nervous. This Sunday and next Sunday's message is really going to cement in you your faith, and you're going to be able to understand what God is doing in your life. I prophesy it over you right now, that you will not be a confused people, but you would be a called people on assignment for the kingdom. How many of you want to be a called believer? Come on. Amen. Praise God. I hope it's everybody. Turn to 2 Kings chapter 6, will you? 2 Kings chapter 6, uh, verses 16 to 17 is where we will park it, is where we will begin. And um, I've got just a few minutes to to share a, a couple of things that I believe is going to really be important. So 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 16 to verse 17 is midway into an event that is taking place. Um, that there is warfare that is taking place. And so in Second Kings chapter six, verse sixteen and seventeen, we, we see something really important here. This is the English Standard Version, Second Kings six sixteen to seventeen. He said, Do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elijah prayed and said, "O oh Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. What a powerful word. What a powerful word. So many principles, so many nuggets are in this text. So for those who are taking notes, the title for today, as we're building on last week, is simply this. Please open my eyes. Say that with me. Please open my eyes. Amen. Amen. Aren't you glad you're the a church that they ask you to talk back to them? Amen, <laughs> somebody. The reason why we do that is because we want you to declare with your mouth. The Bible says that life and death is in the power of the tongue. And so when you're making declarations of truth, you are literally shifting the atmosphere. And so when we take a look at this, the reason why it's so critical that we say, please open my eyes is this. And I quote, too often we don't take our spiritual warfare seriously. What we have done is we become so comfortable in our common understanding of a worldview that we don't take our spiritual warfare seriously, but the enemy does. The enemy does. We act as though Satan and his kingdom were asleep or pose no problem to us. Please understand that the very reality of you coming here, there was a battle you won. First battle is waking up. Come on. Can I be real, right? Not everybody woke up this morning. And so the first battle that you face is this battle of waking up and and realizing what am I going to do with my time? How will I spend my time? And so the enemy is busy making plans for your day. The enemy is busy, and because he's not omnipresent, aren't you glad for that? Amen, somebody that he's defeated. But he still tries. And so when we take a look, we have to then be a church that recognizes the importance of discernment. That vision automatically implies that you are desiring discernment for your life. Because discernment needs to be there when you're making a decision for your direction. Stop trying to go a direction without having discernment and definitely without making a decision. It's scary to go in a certain direction... And you have no discernment. And you made a decision. The enemy would love to trip us up on that. And so as we look throughout this important thing, as I talked about that life and death is the power of the tongue. I also want to let you know that the first thing the enemy went after were the eyes. The first thing he went after was Adam and Eve. And gave them an object to look at. Though he was speaking lies, what he was doing was speaking to their eyes. And so when we see here in 2 Kings chapter 6, we're going to get to it. We must understand how God works. How many want to understand how God works? We got to understand how God works. And so when a prophetic word is given to you, we see in Acts chapter 9, one of the greatest, greatest individual ever called to the body of Christ was the Apostle Paul. Now, many of us think, man, that can't be me. There's no way I can be the Apostle Paul and used mightily by God. And so we struggle when we talk and look at Paul's salvation. Guess what? The way Paul was saved is the way that we're all saved. It was God who did it. Who preached to the Apostle Paul? You don't read it in Scripture anywhere. No preacher went to him and says, hey, Paul, I'm going to tell you the plan of salvation. No, it was God who was saying, what are you doing? Your life belongs to me. And every single one of us who have given your heart to Christ, God is the one that preached the gospel to you. Now, here's the key. He used someone to communicate his gospel. But it was God who preached the gospel to you. And so when we look at that, many will say, I'm not the Apostle Paul. Well, God is saying you can be Ananias then. You can be the one who identifies the Apostle Pauls in your life. So regardless if you think you're the Apostle Paul, you're definitely Ananias. You're one of the two. I would almost venture to say that the vision you should have is I'm both. Is that I can recognize when someone's praying because I can understand this. And here's why. Ananias recognized a true vision from God is specific. Write that down. A true vision from God is specific. He said, you're going to go to the street. He said, you're going to go to this particular house. He says you're going to see a man. He says you're going to see a thing. He says you're going to get a special vision. So when someone gives a prophetic word, don't let it be something general. Come on, it's got to be something specific. Why? Because God knows the plans he has for you. They are specific. God knows exactly your back account. Even right now, he knows exactly how much is in your back. He knows how many cells are in your body. God knows everything about you. Can someone say, yes, he does. So if God knows everything about me then, if he's going to give someone a prophetic word, then it's going to be specific. I'm not saying you can't say, hey, I'm feeling this and I think this. That's great. But the moment it was released, you need to understand that God is a specific God. And that's something to give God praise and glory about. Amen, somebody. That, that, that's to give God praise. He knows everything about me. Listen to what he said. He says, Ananias, there is a specific street, so don't veer off. So when the enemy comes and says, hey, hey, change course. He says, no, God gave me a specific street. Oh, come on. That is so good. That is so good. A specific house, a, a, a specific man, a specific thing, a specific vision. And the second thing that God wants to understand is this. And here is what I am 100% convinced of is that God is saying that when God gives a vision, he will give you a true prayer life. A true prayer life. He says, the one I have called, he's praying. And so I say all that to get to our text of 2 Kings chapter 6, because we understand is this, is that here he is now, and what the apostle Paul wants is to regain his sight. Why didn't God just give him back his sight? Why didn't God just say, okay, fine, it's been three days, and you haven't seen anything? Okay, zam, bazam, get your eyes back. No, God says, I'm going to send somebody, because we need each other. Come on. Oh, that is so good. That is so good. And so for anyone who thinks that I have no value in the kingdom, I'm here to tell you, you don't understand spiritual warfare then. Because one shall chase a thousand, two shall put ten thousand to flight. And so this is telling me that we need each other and so when we come together there may be apostle Paul sitting right beside you who is saying I can't see I know I'm called but I'm confused about my calling everywhere I go I'm bumping into things and God needs Ananias to say come on hold on a second here God spoke to me about you and go and you lay hands on their eyes and you say regain your sight you are valuable to the kingdom of God You are absolutely important to the kingdom of God. I'm going to pause here for a second because spiritual warfare is taking place all over and if we don't recognize and understand that we need our eyes to be open, the enemy will run all over us and will continue us to live in the curse. When Jesus died, He died and removed the curse. He removed the curse so that we can walk in the blessing. And so as we look at this, please open my eyes. We have to first recognize that one of the most obvious displays of God's creative power is the human eye. In studying this, I was amazed at God's creation. I'm telling you, God has the details of your life covered. He knows specifically what he's doing. It says here that God created humanity with physical eyes. Why? To see the beauty of creation all around him. I'm not talking from our fallen state of Genesis chapter 3. I'm moving you all the way back to when God says, let's make man in our likeness and in our image. And he had eyes was to see God's glory, was to see God's beauty, was to see the creation all around him. That was the purpose of God giving us physical eyes. It is stated, and I quote, that the physical eye is arguably one of the two most important sense organs along with the ears that we possess. And so that's what the Bible says, he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. But he also wants us to have eyes that discern what's going on. So the first thing is this, that when you become a believer, what happens is this, is that you get a perfect vision of God's reality. I love what Hannah said. She says, I'm not perfect, but I was introduced to the perfect one. That's how you overcome people saying, I know I'm not perfect, but we stay and I'm jumping ahead of myself, but I might as well. And then come back to it. We have to understand that we are unintentionally cursing ourselves by things we say that the culture, has in, uh, the culture has brought into the church. And because they don't see the power of God moving in our lives, we just succumb to that reality that that's how things are supposed to be. The devil is a liar. Come on, God's word is God's word. And just because we don't see it happening doesn't mean it's not God's word. So when people, and you're trying to communicate who you are in Christ, tell them, I was introduced to the perfect one. Who gives me perfect vision. Because I'm supposed to have a certain direction. If I'm supposed to be discerning, if I'm supposed to make decisions, guess what? I have to have perfect vision. I can't have cloudy vision. And I'll just, I'll just throw mud against the wall and see where it, it lands. That's not how God operates. Because God says in Genesis chapter 1, verse 31, throughout the entire chapter, God spoke, revealed word, word God saw, reassurance. And God spoke, write that down, watch this down, Genesis chapter 1, God first spoke his what? His revealed word. That's the prophetic. That's what it means. Vision is God's revealed word. So God speaks his word and then he saw it and it came to pass. He was reassured because my word would never return to me void, but it will accomplish all that I've set forth for it to do. So here in Genesis chapter 1 verse 31. Now he ends it and he says, and God saw everything that he had made. And guess what? It was very good. And there was even and there was morning the sixth day. So whenever we talk about God, we must talk about God in his Perfection. Doubt, but not doubt in God's perfection. Lack, understand it, but not doubt in God's perfection. And that's the key right there is that we have perfect vision. You see, Adam and Eve, who had up until this point, guess what? When 'd seeing God, they saw reality. That everything they saw was in the light and in the light of his reality. Proven in scripture. Here it is now. You see, your eyesight and your vision is connected to the light of God's word. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and what? A light unto my path. And so when Adam and Eve was looking, what they were perceiving was a perfect God who provided everything that they needed. That's why he began by saying, let there be light. And we know this wasn't the sun or the moon, because further on, we see when he was creating, he says he created the the sun and he created the stars. So when he says, let there be light, he was speaking the word into reality. He said, let there be light. Let there be the word. Let there be Jesus. Come on. So that when we look at reality, we're looking through Jesus. Because the way your eyes work naturally, it needs light. Oh, come on. And so the reality is simply this, that every time you read the word of God, that's when you're really seeing. (laughs) That's why the enemy went after the eyes, went after God's word. So perfect vision is seeing, let there be light. Are you ready for this? Jesus, not Roe, Jesus says, you are the what of the world. Oh, come on, somebody. In other words, you got perfect vision. And so when you give a direction, when you give a directive, you are declaring the reality and you are speaking to people's normality. Come on, somebody. That what they call normal, God is saying, oh, no, no. If it doesn't line up with the word of God, then it is filled with the possibility of being a curse connected to it. No matter how pretty they dress it up. No matter how nice, they make it. Come on. You see the commercials that try to entertain you with your eyes? They're good commercials. Come on. Somebody. They don't show you all the bad stuff. They show you the good stuff. So you're enticed. Why? Because your eyes are seeing it. Your eyes are seeing. I got I got and so, And so when we see this now, we realize that throughout the Bible, eyes and sight are frequently used as figure of speech in everyday lives. Indicating, here it is now, how we perceive God. So if moving forward now, when I talk about perfect vision and when I talk about God, vision, it's talking about how we perceive God. Write that down. So when people talk to you about vision, automatically you know it's about how do I perceive God? How do I see God? What's the reality? What is the light that is shining in my eyes? What is the light that is shining in my eyes? Now I have to confess. I haven't studied, I'm not a what's it the eye doctor that know all this stuff, but I read and I love what this says because how the eyes work physically is going to be an indication of how the eyes work spiritually. So it says here light rays enter the eyes through the cornea, the clear front window of the eye. I quote the cornea refractive power. Bends the light rays in such a way that they pass freely through the pupil, pupil, the opening in the center of the iris through which light enters the eye. Watch this now. So, bending of the light rays by the cornea and lens serves to create sharp images on the retina. Those images ultimately, write this down, trigger nerve impulses. So when I'm looking at something, as light bends and it comes to my eye, it triggers a nerve impulse. So the object that I'm holding or the things that I'm looking at, what it does is these images ultimately trigger nerve impulses, which are transmitted to the brain, where the images then are perceived and interpreted. So when Eve, excuse me, when the enemy went to Adam and Eve and he says, did God say that you can't eat from this? And he pointed to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. When they were looking at it, the images that were coming through was creating a trigger and affected their brain that they now have to perceive. Is this the word of God or it's not? Because the enemy didn't say, hey guys, uh, I'm going to tempt you over here. He pointed to an object. He pointed to an object. He pointed to an image. He wanted their minds to go back to the word of God. Come on. He wanted their minds to go back to the character of God. What do you really see about God? Not just what you know about God. What do you see or perceive about God? His character. And so that's how the eyes work. And so that's where now he got them. And so they were faced, Adam and Eve was faced now with this situation of who am I going to believe? Am I going to believe what the enemy is presented to me in front of my eyes? Or am I going to believe the word of God that creates an image in my mind? Who am I going to believe? And so the temptation comes because we have to be able to interpret or perceive these images. So the enemy is bombarding us in spiritual warfare with images over and over and over again and over and over and over again. That's why you see late at night when you're up and you're tired, they show pictures of these starving kids in Africa trying to appeal to your guilt to say, oh, my goodness. Why? Because they want to create an image that's going to cause you to do something you may not even want to do. It's called temptation. And so he brings the object, he brings it in front and says, hey, how are you going to interpret this? The enemy comes and he brings it and says, how are you going to interpret the word of God? And so we got, we literally have pastors who are standing behind the pulpit and saying, this is not the word of God. You better run from a church like that. I'm not kidding. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just telling the reality of what's out there. That there are pastors. Because of what they've seen. Oh, come on, somebody. Has changed what the word of God means. Oh, because the enemy brought a situation, a challenge before them. and says, what does this look like now? Does this look like God? Ooh. Does this look like God? And you have to make a decision. What do I perceive? What do I interpret? And that's why Bible study is so important. And that's why I know in my. And it's however long I have to preach to you that this is simply just starting to stir you. It is not going to bring depth into you. You've got to be like the Bereans who study the word of God to make sure how you perceive and interpret the word of God is the word of God. And not just a TV preacher or a YouTube preacher or something like that. You have to take the word of God yourself. And you've got to look in and say, okay, yes, I perceive that this is the word of the living God. We have to. Why? Because spiritual warfare is running rampant. So now how do you look at the conflict we're facing in the world that we're seeing with, with Ukraine and Russia? How, how are we looking at things politically? You've got to look at it through the word of God. How are you looking at things morally? You've got to look at it through the word of God. You cannot look at anything outside of the word of God. You have to look at the word of God. And so when I see what's going on, God has an answer for it. He says, here's what's happened. He says, number one, it's because of the lust of the eyes. So Genesis 3: six that's what I've been talking about this whole time. Look what it says in Genesis chapter three, verse six. It says it was delight to the eyes. So when the woman saw the tree it was good for food, and it was what? Delight to the eyes. That's the first thing. When she saw the tree, what happened? The light ray hit it. It came into the cornea, it came into the retina, it created an image to the brain, it triggered a nervous thing, and she looked back and she says, ooh, it's delightful. And that's exactly how the enemy works. And that's why, listen to me, I'm not saying we can't have a fun time in church, we should, it's the greatest place to be. But what I'm getting is this, is a lot of the entertainment that we're doing is because it's delightful to the eyes, it's not because it's the word of God. It's we have to get them in by creating something entertaining to the eyes because it would trigger the brain and decide if it was a good service or not. Not where the word of God was preached, but whether or not my feelings embraced it. And so because that works in the world and we want to fill the place up, we adopt. Even if it means I have to cut out some of the scriptures. Please open my eyes. My goodness. If you check out any church, when you walk and say, God, please open my eyes to see whether or not they're teaching the word of God or not. We got to teach the word of God. It's not whether you are Republican or Democrat. It's, is it the word of God? You can have your party, but you can't have your cake at the same time. Come on, somebody. <laughs> you got you got to have the word of God. You got to have it. You got to have it. Let, let me up and go on for this. So that's, that's what's going on. And what I love about this is that it takes two to see. It takes two to see. That they were both, their eyes, both of their eyes were open. What's God talking about? God's talking about the power of agreement. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing that even though Adam was given the command, it, it's amazing. See, here's how two agrees. So write, write this down. Here's how it takes two, right? See, see the ultimate, the ultimate fall of mankind was disobedience and deception. It takes two. It takes two. Disobedience and deception. Because when you read in the New Testament, it tells you that Eve was deceived, but Adam was disobedient. And so when we look at the lust of the eyes, the goal of it is this, is to move us into a place of where we're disobedient to what we see, and we're also being deceived by what we hear. Come on. This is so important. So then to see is really to perceive or detect as by sight. So what happened was this, now they began to see the world with a clouded, sinful vision, which from that time onward became and has remained humanity's vision of reality. See, the ability to see God, and I quote, that was originally given to them, grew dim and was lost. And even Adam and Eve, not mentioning their descendants, began to see the world the way humanity would continue to see it through the ages. Here it is now. What they began to see was this. That they were not open to a new world view. They were open to a new world view. And here is where America and the rest of the world stands right now. Here's where they stand. That because of that and because we're not praying God open my eyes. Here is what I'm hearing over and over and over again. It was right in my own eyes. That a nation that doesn't perceive God anymore, an individual doesn't perceive God anymore, a marriage, a business, anything that no longer perceives God, your answer will always be, it was right in my own eyes. And you can't tell me anything differently. That what I see is my reality. And so in Judges chapter 14, verse 7, we see with Samson, who was a judge, a deliverer, he said in verse number 7, he went down and talked with a woman, and she was right in Samson's eyes. Yeah, I'm making my own decision. I know I'm called from the womb, but I'm making my own decision. We've seen that Samson said, it's right in my own eyes. What happened to Samson? He lost his eyes. Why did the enemy dig out? If you understand the book of Judges with Samson, that he took out his eyes. You already captured him. He lost his strength. Why take out his eyes? Take out his eyes so that all he can remember is what we did to him. It was an intimidation factor. And Samson became entertainment and his eyes were taken out. Because he said, it was right in my own eyes. But here's the deal. Though Samson lost His eyes, he didn't lose his vision. And the enemy has placed things before us, come on, that's trying to make us lose our sight. But don't lose your vision. And he said to the young man, take my hands and put them on the pillar. And I'm going to push because I know God's word must come to pass. And Samson pushed against the pillar and all the Philistines died. Why? Because God opened up his eyes. Come on, he saw a picture of him fulfilling the call of God on his life and in his Death, he killed more Philistines than when he was alive. God will always have his way, even when we think it's right in our own eyes. And this one, Judges 21, verse 25. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. So what are we seeing taking place in the world? All world leaders are doing what's right in their own eyes. I'm going to make a declaration. I believe this. We are void of biblical leadership. And you're seeing the evidence of it all over the world. Every leader. Every leader on every world stage. Is blind. And it is setting the stage for a leader to erupt. And if the church has no eyes to see my God. Mm, that antichrist spirit, ooh! because there's a vacuum, there's a void, people are blind, and if we don't open our eyes, the one that Satan is preparing to step in to fill the void will come in, and the church will still have church, but we will miss what God has for us. Can I preach this? Because the church is doing what's right in their own eyes. We're having our own thing, and no one's saying, God, please open my eyes. See what's going on. Here to tell you. That when we first talked about this location. I admit to you. I was guilty of looking at it from a carnal perspective. We're sitting right here as a council. And Megans right there. And we're talking about him like, babe, that location is going to change what we do. And I went and I drove to that property. And God opened my eyes. Come on. And he wanted me to recognize that what God is doing is so much bigger than what was right in my own eyes. Oh, I'm teaching this thing like I feel it. I'm teaching like I feel it. And I'm looking at reasons. I'm looking at agendas. I'm looking at different things. All good things, by the way. But not God's vision. And I have to go there myself. And God says, "I'm going to open your eyes to see the potential. I'm going to open your eyes, and I'm going to tell you that's why warfare is taking place. And I'm here to tell you, come on, if you see what God is showing us, and you engage, the enemy's going to try to stop, a word, are But the devil is a liar. Come on, I drive by there every single day. I don't know how God's going to do it, but I know I saw it. Come on, I believe by myself. I don't care because. There was no king in Israel. They kicked God out. There was no king in Israel. And so here he's saying. They did what was right in your own eyes. My last point is this. Here's why we did all this. And we get to our text in 2 Kings chapter 6. I want you to write this down. Never forget this. Your eyes. Are the window. To your soul. You may have heard this phrase before. And. The debate's out about who's the origin of it. I'm not quoting this statement to argue or debate the origin of it. I'm quoting this statement as a prophetic word to see where we are right now and why it is that we need God to open our eyes. In my last few moments, I want us to lock and load. I want to enter into the reality of see the perfect vision of God. This will change how you do life. What I'm about to share with you will change the way you do life. That you will look for the Apostle Pauls, And you will look for the Ananias. He says here, we look at it. Now go to 2 Kings chapter 6. First thing we see that the eyes of the wound is to the soul. The first thing we see that the enemy is doing. Are you ready for this? The enemy is moving in such a magnitude that the conclusion is this. I am scared. I'm terrified. We went through two years plus of nothing but demonic movement throughout our nation. Are you hearing me, church? We have gone from protest to political the pandemic it has been designed by the enemy to scare us debate all you want to it has been designed if you see with your eyes it was designed to scare us constant bombardment in the television oh, come on and we're scared A loved one tragically dies as a result of COVID. And we are scared that we're next. We're scared to touch people. We're scared to go around people. We're scared and we are terrified. Why? Because what we're seeing that's being televised. Good God Almighty. It's as if the enemy had full access to the church, to the world. Have you ever witnessed in your lifetime one agenda embraced by the entire world? That's got to be demonic. That's got to be beyond our ability to see naturally. There's got to be some things going on, not conspiracy. I'm talking about biblical understanding and discernment. Come on, church. Doing it right in their own eyes. And we got people who are scared to come to church because of what their eyes have seen. No judgment, just the reality. We are scared to start a business in this economy. We're scared of the increase of gas prices. We're scared of what's going on. And where there's the absence of leadership, demonic spirits will fill that gap. So here, you want to know what's going on? The Bible says there'll be wars and rumors of wars. But this is not the end. This is not the end. So the first thing is I'm scared. Why? Because I feel like I am a prey. P-R-E-Y. I'm a victim of what my eyes have seen. And so whenever I hear something, the reality is I see it in my mind. And it triggers something. I'm scared. I went down this alley and I was raped and I'm scared. I went down this thing and this happened and I'm scared. And what we feel, you can feel it in the atmosphere. We are absolutely afraid. And it even hinders our worship that we hold back giving God worship because we're afraid. Guess what? We're also afraid of doing things for God because last time we did it, the enemy showed his ugly head. And we not like what it did to our house. So we just stop praying. We became a prey to our fear. I'm not talking some radical, I'm rebuking, you know, I'm I'm being a rebel and and not mean to. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about we are are absolutely terrified. We are scared. And so it was that Elijah's servant was scared. How many heard the statement? Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Not for this servant. At night, the troops came, and when he woke up, the troops were there. (laughs) What do you do when enemies working at night, and you get up, and it's still the same way as you went to bed? Nothing has changed. We are scared. We are scared. And so the answer is this. Church, hear me prophetically now. We must not become victims of fear. Fear has been stated as false evidence appearing real. Fear is a false vision given by a culture that's full of demonic spirits. Write that down. Come on. Tattoo that. I'm not a victim of fear. We must not become a victim of fear. The very first thing in the garden was they were afraid that God would something back from them. And fear ever since has been moving throughout what's going on. And I'm not saying that we don't have legitimate concerns. Come on. No. What I'm saying is that we are a prey. We are what they call a sit and duck. We feel like we're helpless, easy targets or victim. There's a difference between being a victim and being vulnerable. There's a difference between being a victim and being vulnerable. And some of the things we hear in church are rehearsing the curse. And we're encouraging by saying, oh, just be yourself. No, 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 no. No, you got to get this thing right. I will not be a victim of fear. I'll be vulnerable. And I'll let you know that God's doing a work in my life. And I'll share my brokenness. But don't ever confuse my brokenness before God as my being in bondage to fear. No, the devil is a liar. Come on. I see God as the restorer of all things. I see God as the healer. I see God as my deliverer. How do you see God, TGP? Do you see God as the one that can give us the land, or do we see the God of this world that's blinding our eyes? We want a it, but we're scared. I've been there. I've been there. My throat's thick and I'm, I'm, I'm all these things and I'm seeing all these different things. And I'm even seeing preachers that I respect that went through COVID and all wrapped up in stuff. And I'm like, oh my God, am I next? And it's scary. Why? Because the enemy wants to take my eyes off of God and put it on what's going on. Because if your pastor has no direction, the blind will lead the blind, and we all fall into the ditch. But the devil is a liar. Come on, somebody. Even though the outside looks like that, I will not be afraid. And so he came, and he says, I'm scared. Master, what shall we do? Russia is moving in, and there's a church in your cave that is saying, what shall we do? We're scared. He went He he went against what he said. It's all demonic. It's all demonic. It's not as political. It's all demonic. And so the people in Russia who are believers have to come in agreement. God, open our eyes. Come on, somebody. The people in Ukraine have to say, God, open our eyes. Why? Because we will not be a victim of fear on either side. Are you hearing me, church? No. We will no longer be a prey. We won't be a sin duck. So what do you need? What do you need? I need you. And you need me. We need people with a vision of faith. And so the prophet Elisha came and he says, what do you see? I see what has happened because you kept revealing to the king of Israel what this king is doing. That every time he made plans. Elijah would tell the king and says, hey, don't go this direction, don't go here, specific, strategic, that's the second thing, God is not only specific in his vision, he's strategic as well, and this is when your worship now becomes your warfare, come on, because when you're scared, it's not just singing songs from memory, come on, it's got to be songs you're singing from a vision of faith. And so our worship must move from just a place of where we're worshiping singing lyrics to now a place of vision. So if you ever so choose to do to drive by that land I'm not arguing for the building. Come on. God is not in the building. Come on. But God is about the land. And what you see the enemy is doing is taking territory like he did back in the garden. Do you realize the enemy has not changed his plan. He was always about territory. And so why we're arguing about building big buildings, he's talking about I want to take the land that sits on that building come on somebody and so we have to go after the land so we can build a city come on that we can build something that a community can come and see this is what the vision of faith looks like this is what it looks like for people to have faith who aren't afraid in second kings chapter 6 16 he said do not be afraid For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. So as you go and you get on that property, you say, God, open up our eyes. Come on and show us that in this community, there's more angelic hosts. Come on, than every demon or devil that's trying to stop us. We will take this territory for the glory of God. Where are my people of faith, people of vision, people of faith? Vision of faith. For we walk by faith and not by sight. Are you hearing me, somebody? We walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith and not by sight. God, give me a vision. Oh, my God. Hallelujah. I got three more minutes. But God, give me a vision of faith. My family is terrified. My kids are terrified. They don't want to go to that school anymore because they're getting bullied. God, give me a vision of faith. My marriage is in trouble. My money's in trouble. God, give me a vision of faith. God, my mind, the anxiety attacks that are affecting me. God, give me a vision of faith. I'm going to be totally transparent with you. I've never been this transparent. It's just I came here. and I'm just amazed when you, when you find your place and you find your people, you can be transparent. Come on, somebody. And weekly, I have to battle Panic attacks. Weekly. When the enemy comes and shows me. Look Ro. Look at this. And I have to. Go back to the word and see God's word. That's the only thing. Saints. That's the only thing. I go back to the word of God. And I'm saying oh no. No I know God called me. Come on. And that's why you hear me talk all the time about my journey. Not the story. I talk about the journey. Mm, Good God almighty. Because when I'm scared, I realize God didn't call me to be a prey. No, 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 And so I meet people with vision of faith, and I call people up. I says, listen, I need you to help me out. Come on. I will not let the enemy keep me in isolation. No, I pick up that phone. Come on, somebody. And I'll text somebody, and I'll meet with Noah, and I'll meet with Abigail, and especially Paul and I, and we'll be talking. And he doesn't know. We're talking for hours, and he's feeding me with visions of faith while I'm going through a panic attack. He's talking faith to me, and we pray. Come on, somebody. And that thing's got to be lifted off. Why? Because I will not be afraid. Come on, somebody. Because I have people of faith. Come on, somebody. You can't come up in this place and not find people with visions of faith. Woo! You mean, preacher, you go through it, you better believe it. Daily. Daily, what the enemy says, I'm taking you out. And my mind goes back to who's going to take care of my family. Battle thoughts of how am I going to see my grandchild? Trying to get them to be afraid because of what I see. But see, I'm a person of faith. And I got a vision of faith. And I don't isolate myself. Church for me is not some religious gathering. Church for me is life-giving. It's life-giving, my God. Because I love to see the journey that you're on. You give me hope. Come on, somebody. I'll end with this. And so, what we need, are you ready for this? We don't need to say, I'm scared. We need to change our language and say, I am secure. Oh, oh, oh no, 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 no. Though the mountains move, I will not be moved. Come on, I'm changing my language. You got to change your language, church. When you're a person of faith, you change your language. And you start declaring that I am secure. Because my eyes have been open. And so when you hear wars and rumors of war, get your preaching on. Come on. Because God knows exactly what he's doing. Putin may think he's in charge. Come on, somebody. yeah. But God knows what he's doing. Come on, somebody. Ah, President Biden may think he's in charge, but God knows exactly what he's doing. Hallelujah. We are the church and we are the leaders of what's going on. And for too long, we've been scared and we've been a sitting duck, but not anymore. The devil is a liar. I am secure. Ah, glory to God. And if you look at the word pray, P-R-E-Y, and the word pray, P-R-A-Y, it's one letter that makes the difference, good God Almighty. And the enemy wants to show you that one thing. Oh, good God Almighty. But you got to recognize, no, I see that I am secure because I am praying, I am praying, I am praying. it's not just some religious thing because he says, Elijah prayed and says, oh, Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire. My last text. Promise you my last one is this. I'm standing in my seat right here. I'm standing in my seat. I'm standing right here. And I'm about to go up. And God quickened me and says, go to Deuteronomy chapter 3. Because the song they were singing, I kept hearing this. God's like, I'm fighting for you. I'm fighting for you. I I want you to get this. anything you're going to get, get this last thing. I'm standing here. And God's like, as they were singing... God says, I'm fighting for you, I'm fighting for you, I'm fighting for you. So I got my phone, and I Googled, God fights for us. And what he led me to was Deuteronomy chapter 3, verse 21 and 22. We're going to leave with this. If we can get that on the screen, that would be awesome. And I didn't have this written from the week I've been studying this message. I didn't have this at all. And here's what God, this is what the vision of faith does right here. He says this, Deuteronomy 3, 21, 22. And I command Joshua at that time. I command TGP at this time. Shabamama, come I command. Come on. At that time, your eyes have seen all the Lord your God has done. To these two kings, so will the Lord do to all the kingdoms in which you are crossing. His prophetic word to me then was this, in verse twenty-two: "You shall not fear them, for it is the Lord your God, TGP, who fights for you." Every head bowed, every eyes closed. Your worship must become your warfare. My God, my God, my God. I come against every addiction. And I speak to the habit as well. If you're here and you are afraid, if you're watching online and you are scared, I want to let you know that God is fighting for you. And your language is going to change. I am not scared. I am secure. Oh, my God. Start that business in this economy. I am not scared. I am secure. Go after that child. Come on. I'm not scared. I'm secure. Go into those dark places. Go into those places where the light is out. And don't be scared. Be secure. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus for your word. We honor and we praise you. Church, there's a battle taking place right now for those who are scared and for those who are secure. And the balance is with those who are people of vision of faith. Please open my eyes. Is a prayer for vision of faith.